This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with the other person who lives in this home and is the other person on this podcast. It's Sarah Scrimshaw. Hello. Hello. Instead of asking how are you, I've been trying to ask a different question. I've been coming up with like a random theoretical question. This is kind of a random theoretical question, but also not really. Instead of asking how are you, I'm going to ask how many Christmas trees should a home have? Can I tell you that as you looked at me, I was like, oh, you're going to ask how many Christmas trees can fit in this apartment? Well, I was just doing the old honest, if you want to be inspired, look around and see what you see. And what I see is a Christmas tree in front of me and a Christmas tree behind me. La, 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 la. Tis so, the season. Why don't you tell people about our Christmas tree situation? Yeah, we've got two Christmas trees this year in um, in our living room because, you know, that's where we live. And we have our lovely, wonderful uh, artificial tree that we always use and that we both love and treasure. Ancient fake tree from sketch comedy days. Yes. 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 Which is one of my favorite parts about it is that it originated for a show, mm-hmm. um, but it works really well for us. And um, and I love it. But we had the opportunity this year to get a real tree and kind of came up. Um, and I was like, oh, no, we don't need another tree. That would be ridiculous. But then I kept walking past it and went, oh, well, maybe. And then texted you. I was like, what, what if, what if we did have two trees? <laughs> <laughs> and you kindly said, if it brings you joy, bring it home. Yes. Yeah, I think you might've phrased it. So like, uh, what do you think? Do we need another tree? Like for me, it's like, <laughs> no, we don't, but it was clearly going to bring you joy. And it does. And it is, it's a wonderful uh, not quite a Charlie Brown tree because mm-hmm. it is very, very full through most of it. But then it's just like it's got a buzz cut where like what? The top foot is in is mostly bald. What, what's going on with that? Yeah, I don't know. But it is. And it makes me so happy because it is. It is. It's like nice and full on the bottom. But then it just gets a little sparse. And then at the very top, it's just got like this little flourish, like a little... Um, like the gesture that people do in flamenco, like there's a little hand gesture. And it makes me think of some, like the tree is like constantly like, yes, I'm excited. I'm here. I'm present. Yeah. Let's party. Yeah. It it, it, it comes to a natural stop where you would normally put, like many people put a star or we put a squirrel at that spot at the top of the tree. And then it's got one entirely naked little branch just doing a little flare. And you're right. It is totally mm-hmm. like just like a hand gesture. Yeah. <laughs> you just said, I'm a thespian and the hand went up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is good. Mm-hmm. I, I'm happy to have two Christmas trees, a uh, well-decorated fake one and a, a weird naked real one. I mean, so far it's naked. So we'll far. see. Yeah. You, I mean, is this going to be a thing now? Do we see how many trees we can fit in the apartment each year? No, because I think <laughs> we are now out of spaces that a tree could possibly go. I think this would be yeah. a, a way to uh, just entirely divide There'll be the living room part of our home and the everything else part of our home, and it will be a block, just blocked with trees the rest of the way. Right. Yeah. So I think two. I think two's a good answer, right? Excellent. Two is good. Two big ones, and uh, I know we have another little one <laughs> that might come out. Oh, yeah, we do. But that one's <laughs> wee. That one's like, it's it's made out of twigs and only a foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a little uh, sad Christmas tree that is then you're going to get some magic. But when you, when you put an ornament on it, it grows to a real tree size. <laughs> 
Anyway, we could talk about trees. We have talked about trees. Look at one of our past episodes. Uh, but this episode, we're going to talk about something that is generally on the pop culture mind. It is fun for me uh, to roll around in this obsession with the rest of the pop culture loving world. We are going to obsess over Spider-Man. We're going to talk about Spider-Man in general. Uh, this Friday for us, we're going to go see Spider-Man No Way Home, the new movie that everybody is uh, appears to be very excited about. Uh, and maybe we'll discuss the movie, but for this episode, this is just general Spider-Man obsession. So I like to start the podcast. Uh, well, you and I really developed this together, uh, but starting with caveats. Do you have any Spider-Man caveats? <laughs> um, I think, I think um, my main caveat is going to be that Spider-Man, as we'll talk about, is um, uh, it's, I knew a little bit about Spider-Man because I think it is uh, very difficult to not know a little bit about Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. But I didn't know a lot about Spider-Man. I still am not going to say I know a lot. Um, so I'll talk about I'll talk about that. Okay. About my Spider-Man journey. Your Spider-Man yeah. journey. And okay. It, it might be a, we're, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the things that you have to say about uh, especially earlier Spider-Man experiences than I have. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So that's a spoiler for the next couple questions uh, <laughs> that I might have more thoughts about Spider-Man in my youth than you do. Totally understandable. My caveat is always with a lot of pop culture stuff and a lot of superhero stuff in particular. I have this weird mixed relationship where it feels like, yeah, no, Spider-Man, it's uh, part of my DNA. But then also I have long since drifted from the comics. I, you know, would not win at a Spider-Man trivia contest. So there's some stuff I don't know. My love, like, like a lot of times on on uh, obsessed, uh, even when I used to have more uh, guests, the obsession is more about the love of the thing than the ex- absolute expertise and knowledge of the thing. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that's where I'm coming from with Spider Man as well. So let's start here. <laughs> we started with caveats. Next up is uh, describing things to aliens. <laughs> if aliens landed and they didn't mm-hmm. already know who Spider-Man is, because they might, because he goes to space in many stories. Right. If they were like, no, never heard of this Spider-Man, what's all that about then? How would you describe Spider-Man to aliens? Mm. I mean, that's such an interesting question because we have so many options of origin stories that already exist out there. Right. So I'm going to go with um, Spider-Man is a human. <laughs> who was bit by a radioactive spider, which is an insect. And as a result, Spider-Man has some special abilities, such as, um, you know, being able to shoot webs and things like that. <laughs> I'm not going to explain that more than it. And then I'll just be like, and it's really cool. And it's really cool. And if the aliens followed up with, great, okay, those are some basic nouns. I get it. A human bit by spider now can do some spider things, but... Why do you all like him so much? Mm. Why do you all tell so many stories about him? How would you answer the aliens? Yeah, that that I I I stopped before I really got to the heart of it, didn't I? <laughs> that was well, the, the aliens like follow up questions, so it's fine. <laughs> I would say um, because he's your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the tag to me kind of says it. Of like, it's it, there's um, there's a lot of interesting stories, both on the micro and the macro level. And it's interesting to see how Spider-Man is reflected, how we are reflected in Spider-Man as individuals and as society and globally and perhaps, um, you know, universally. I would like to then turn back to the aliens and say, let's talk about Spider-Man. Let's, you know, read some Spider-Man comics. Let's watch some Spider-Man movies. And let's see if you also feel reflected in Spider-Man. So you would challenge the aliens to say, what can you find in Spider-Man? I mean, I would turn it back. I wouldn't. See it as a challenge. I would see it as let's find a point of connection. 
Okay, you would yeah. uh, offer the uh, the olive branch of Spider-Man media. Yeah. To see if the aliens feel the same way about some of the cultural ideas that are reflected in Spider-Man mythos. Yeah, I feel like that could lead to a really interesting discussion. Absolutely. Perhaps like the one we're having right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that you probably gave me some good thoughts there, but I do want to ask you before I start losing my mind, for you just as an individual, I'm not looking for expertise. I'm, I'm just looking for honest, your personal opinion. Mm. For you, what is the magic of Spider-Man? Why are you drawn to the character at all? Um, I, th- I think that that same kind of idea of what I said for the aliens of the idea of kind of the friendly neighborhood person who can do amazing things and can is a superhero and has those abilities, but also is maybe the person who lives next door. Yeah. And I I like that idea of, you know, it's like the, I think to me it ties back into, you know, like those kind of cheesy old-fashioned specials of like, and this is your postal worker who delivers your mail. <laughs> you know, like here are the people in your, like it's kind of, it feels like Spider-Man could be in the here are the people in your neighborhood. Song. Right. It, <laughs> exactly. And right? like that old Sesame Street uh, uh, sketch, sketch isn't the right word, uh, <laughs> segment where, you know, you're learning that you could be anything you want if you work hard and you, you dream about it, you know? And there's the whole being, you know, bitten by a radioactive spider. But that feeling of like, yeah, I could be a postal worker or I could be a lawyer or I could run for city government or I could be a Spider-Man. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> it kind of just feels like, yeah, this is part of who's in your neighborhood. Yeah. And I think there there is that big contrast between Spider-Man and other characters, uh, other superhero characters. Other superhero characters certainly do it, but there's something about Spider-Man, Peter Parker, Miles Morales, all different versions of Spider-Man that capture this really honest kind of fantasy of what if a totally average, normal, relatable person became a superhero and it was a cool gift and a heavy burden and responsibility. And like, that's the myth. The myth of Spider-Man is that he's real. Uh, Like the myth of Bruce Wayne is that he's this haunted, tragic figure who is always fighting crime because every crime represents the death of his parents. And no matter how long he fights crime, he can never stop that from happening. And Superman is a, is a God, you know, Mm -hmm. from another planet and, you know, desperate to make sure that this planet survives unlike his past. And like, so they, they, a lot of them have these tragedies to them, but they have this sort of this mythic element. DC in, in particular are meant to be mythic. Um, even a character like Captain America has some of the, the same elements of like, look, I'm just a good guy who wants to do what's right. And I got this super serum, serum super serum, <laughs> super soldier serum uh, because I'm a good guy. But then he becomes this poster child, right? Mm-hmm. He, he becomes this legend and he's like, all right, I'll wear it because I, I have to. But Spider-Man is like that guy who he's, he is, he's just always still in the neighborhood, no matter how cosmic he goes. Mm-hmm. He always comes back and has like laundry issues. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such a great way of putting it. Yeah. So I think that is a huge power of the character that's been explored um, a lot in the various stories and pulled out in different ways. I think for me, uh, one of the one of the magic parts of Spider-Man is he is one of the best characters uh, for this weird formula of comedy plus tragedy. <laughs> There's a formula of uh, tragedy plus time equals comedy. I think the formula is uh, comedy plus tragedy equals Spider-Man. Of <laughs> he's always got a ton of of 
really horrific things going on. But he doesn't, he has dark moments and he has upset moments and he has angry moments and he, he has moments where he gives up. But it's never that feeling like Batman where he is brooding and living in, in a gothic world of anger and justice. You know, Spider-Man would never say, I am the knight, I am the spider, I am justice, right? Mm-hmm. There's almost always an element to him, even though he is surrounded by tragedy and the power can be an absolute burden that ruins his real life. But just as a character, he's always got that sense of humor and sense of comedy and a sense of being aware of how absurd he is. Mm-hmm. He's like, I live in a real world. <laughs> I don't live in Art Deco Gotham or, you know, gleaming metropolis. Like this is I live in real New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, exactly. And even Spider Man has that attitude of like in a lot of his stories and a lot of comics are like, yeah, no, I've been to space many times. Yeah, I've been teleported to a battle planet and I've met alternate versions of myself. And that's still just weird. And I think because the character has that perspective, you always have that that really interesting mix of just the utter pain of all the bad things that have happened to him with this like, but I'm going to handle it with comedy. I'm going to handle it by kind of laughing about how weird it all is. So you just always get this sense of the the tragedy and the comedy mm-hmm. yeah that's a great way of putting it awesome awesome so yeah it, it is uh it's very interesting to me rewatching some of the films uh, and thinking about that that's what i really like i like that it's a mixture of if you're watching a really great spider-man story some absolutely horrible soul-crushing things are going to happen but you're still going to walk out of it going that was fun just a special magic so uh you gave a little teaser for this part of the conversation about our youthful relationships with uh, the concept of spider-man when do you first remember being aware of spider-man and do you have any early childhood memories and it is fine if you're like uh no (laughs) (laughs) i i don't remember first becoming aware of spider-man okay don't remember not being aware of Spider-Man, but I don't remember like, oh, this is the first time I saw Spider-Man or I think kind of in whatever young child era when some suddenly part of your world includes, you know, Spider-Man and Superman and Batman and, you know, Wonder Woman and all of that. Like I, it was within that era, Okay, but there wasn't like a specific um, show that I was watching. I, I'm sure that I, at some point kind of, Read a few comics here or there, as we've talked about before. I, w- I wasn't a huge comic book reader, but I feel like I certainly would have read a few here or there, but certainly not like followed a series or had that kind of access. Um, so Spider-Man was just kind of around, but not in a more as a background character, not as a like suddenly a sudden a starring role. OK, right. So he'd just be like, you see him on other kids shoes. He's just yeah, there. He's, he's a part of there. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely partially how he entered my world because just early on there uh, uh, from in my lifetime, uh, he was one of the few characters who did make it into media. So not only did I have a few comic books, but, you know, he was on the electric company every once in a while. They, there was uh, the uh, the 70s uh, television show briefly. Uh, so he was around, but he's also just like you would see posters of him and he'd be on t-shirts like he he, i think he was kind of an earlier uh uh, ambassador of comic books and pop culture and genre that Mm -hmm. would pop up other places uh along with like batman superman wonder woman Mm -hmm. and and the hulk uh, at that time as well uh but yeah for me he just really did uh, i think early on in life then he did just feel like well he is one of the pillars 
of this bright, colorful world that I am drawn to of superheroes. And I became obsessed at a young age, probably from seeing him on television. And I have this very, very early memory that I've talked about in, in some stand-up stuff of uh, the landlord came. Uh, I was later to, I didn't remember this part of it. I was later told like, yeah, no, that guy was a landlord and he was coming to check on the rent being late. So a landlord was coming to check on the rent being late. And I just thought somebody was being, you know, kind of talking mean. Uh, so I should throw my web at him. <laughs> and my web was the laundry basket that I think was like red. So it made me think of Spider-Man, but you know, it looked kind of like webbing with the holes in the laundry basket. And I it threw a laundry basket on the landlord's head to be like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Were you like perched on something or were you just on the floor and you just threw the laundry basket i don't i i don't remember wow. like i i have like those vague flashes that i don't trust my memory because it's more like of a memory of a memory you mm -hmm. know kind of thing at this point because i was so young i cannot believe that i was that strong or that accurate so i must have been standing on something maybe he leaned over to talk to me and i dunked it on his head i don't yeah. know i don't remember what really happened i just remember spider-man uh, the idea of spider-man fighting for justice <laughs> against mean <laughs> landlords being in my head at a very young age yeah that's uh, that's amazing what did this the person do uh, I think I remember him kind of laughing it off because yeah. it was clearly like, you know, uh, not a an assault. <laughs> right. A little kid with a laundry basket. <laughs> a little kid with a laundry basket and already a, a little bit too uh, strong of a connection to pop culture. Um, yeah. So then you said you didn't uh, read comic books, watch any shows. Um, did were, were other people aware of him? Like, did your brother talk about or read spider-man did any of your friends at school talk about or, or read spider-man i'm sure they did <laughs> but i don't it's not something that stuck with me okay uh fair enough fair enough i think uh, thing for me i definitely i have some comic books in particular uh that i remember there was a real tactic in marvel comics in late 70s early 80s there'd be like the Marvel two-in-one where uh, one character would meet another character. It'd almost always be like Spider-Man meeting up with whatever super obscure or new character they were trying to sell that week. <laughs> it's like I have a really strong memory of Spider-Man meeting up with Red Sonia, who was this like older barbarian queen woman character and uh, lots of different just kind of weird one-off Spider-Man comics when I was very young. Uh, but then, you know, Saturday morning cartoons was like the access to the fun and the excitement in the in the pop culture without going to the movies, the big loud genre stuff. Um, and in particular, very formative for me was Spider-Man and his amazing friends, mm. uh, which is uh, this Spider-Man show where he uh, lives with his Aunt May like normal, but he is in college and he also lives with his best friends, Iceman from the X-Men and Firestar who at the time I think was just starting in the cartoon and then ended up in other things. And uh, she was a heat-powered character. Mm -hmm. And it was mind-blowing to me because it was the three of them, like three superheroes together. <laughs> and then they would... Uh, I've been rewatching it on Disney+. Plus. They often would have other Marvel characters. So, like, they fight Loki and they meet up with Captain America and the X-Men and Dracula, who's a functioning character in Marvel Comics. <laughs> <laughs> so that, it was really, really formative for me. Uh, and when I finally got to rewatch it on Disney+, Plus, it was those deep memories of just, like, the sound effects taking me back and just kind of remembering uh, uh, the door that Spider-Man opened. 
Wow. I think that, that's just another uh, part of why I'm kind of obsessed with that cartoon and that idea of Spider-Man is he, he is the, he was this ambassador. He was the popular character. So he was used to introduce everybody. And that's probably how a little bit of my connection to him developed. Because when I think of Spider-Man, I just think of like, ah, he, he, I know he's got a lot going on, on and he's just, his life is full of tragedy, but he's just the friendly buddy that I want to hang out with. And I think it's probably because just like every time I saw him, he was literally hanging out with other superheroes and going, what's your problem? I guess I'll help. Yeah, yeah. And he's the friendly one that everybody wants to, you know, spend time with. And like you're that also your access point into all these other superheroes. Yeah. And it wasn't and it isn't ever this sort of like uh, glad handing too friendly. He's always he's always got that sigh. I got too much going on. Today's another problem I have to deal with. I'll kind of cope with this by making quips. So it was also just, I think it felt honest to me, even as a little kid of like, ah, oh, it's awesome that Spider-Man has power and friends, but he's also just like, oh man, what a hard day all the time. Yeah. <laughs> just very, very relatable and only more so as you get older. Uh, so then let's move into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, when the Tobey Maguire films came out, uh, did you go see them in a theater or yes. did you only see them later with me? What was your what was your experience when those movies came out and Spider-Man really burst into the much larger pop culture dominance? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I absolutely went and saw Spider-Man in the theater um, right away when it came out. Um, it was a, a big deal to go with friends. And, um, you know, I remember th- I this is, <laughs> I don't know. I Anyway, I really enjoyed the movie. <laughs> and there's there I have a here's my other like I don't know I just um so I had this reaction when I was watching it like this is really cool I'm really not sure about some of the CGI like as though I knew anything better <laughs> like it was amazing it was groundbreaking at the time but I remember just being like like but really is this where we're going now is this what everything's gonna be and yes it is <laughs> but i had a i don't know i had a i have a, i'm having a hard time putting it into words because it wasn't just like is that the best you can do because it was amazing but i remember also just having a little i think i had there were some moments in it where i, I had a hard time um suspending my disbelief with specifically some of the like cgi flipping through the city which now i love those scenes yeah but at the time for whatever mindset i was in that day well i both loved the movie absolutely loved it i did have a little like eh, but not not 100 percent on board i think that question had kind of been raised in culture okay like i think there might have been a reason that that was in your mind because i think that kind of was being discussed if you heard any snippets of radio talking about it or whatever uh because the obviously the cgi had taken lots of different big steps forward by then you know this was in 2002 so you it had you know, uh, the Terminator 2 with the liquid Terminator, you'd had Jar Jar Binks, uh, you'd have you'd had a, a, a glimpse of Gollum and we're going to get full Gollum later that year <laughs> in right. uh, in the two towers. But there was something specific about, I think, the challenge of superheroes of how do you do them and and keep them enough practical that they feel grounded, but kind of really get to that that uh, absolute golden desired promised land of, but they're doing the things they do in the comics or they do in the animated series and Spider-Man in particular, like uh, 
uh, he's never just standing up straight unless he's Peter Parker. He is always bent and twisted like a pretzel. He has 800 iconic weird leg poses, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that question of like, ooh, is this going to be the one? Has CGI finally got to the place that they can make it believable when it's absolutely Tobey Maguire standing there in a costume, but then it transitions into CGI and he is a human pretzel Spider-Man? Yeah. And I think there was a lot of focus on that. I remember being kind of blown away and, and thinking, wow, we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> There's still one shot where um, I don't think it's a CGI. The CGI worked great for me. There's one shot where I think he is rescuing Mary Jane from the, the festival. Mm. Um, and he is swinging, but his in Mary Jane's head is moving, but his head isn't moving. And it looks for a second like she is uh, swinging on a Spider-Man, just like a, a life model. <laughs> <laughs> that you would normally just put his outfit on yeah. at, you know, stores, at department stores. Um, so beyond the CGI, do, were you drawn in? Were you intrigued by Spider-Man? Or were you like, that was a fine movie? Oh, I mean, I I really enjoyed the movie. I don't feel like it made me run out and be like, okay, I'm going to do everything for Spider-Man now. Okay. Got so it. it didn't necessarily pull me into other aspects of it, but I, I loved the movie and it made me very excited to see the next one came out and to see that one again when I was able to see that one again. Um, so I was absolutely, you know, full on for that. Yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, yeah. I get that that sounded more qualified. I just mean like it wasn't like I suddenly was trying to find all all the comics and trying to find all the right. TV shows I'd missed. It, but that experience I truly enjoyed. Yeah, you enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't have obsessive Spider-Man fever in 2002. There we go. Totally, yep. totally understandable. Um, yeah, I went with a... Uh, it was one of the kind of good nerd days of my life because I'm pretty sure if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, a group of uh, friends had been role playing earlier in the day and then we all went to see Spider-Man. Wow. And I think the 2002 film has this huge place in my pop culture heart because for me, it was the one where it's like, holy bleep, they did it. That is, with minor tweaks, the comic book on film. Mm. Like, that is the comic book character. That is the spirit of the character. That is the heart of the character. That is a lot of the wit and the moves and the tragedy and all this uh, stuff that I feel like is the heart of the comic book on screen. Like, I, I had, you know, went nuts for the the Batman films, uh, mm. particularly the first two, and really loved them. But it was the... What I had grown up with in, in superhero translations is... They're never, ever going to do what's in the comic book. They're always going to do some weird Hollywood thing. And I love Batman, but it's like, Batman doesn't wear all black. And in the 1989 film, I was like, well, Joker's not supposed to die. He's supposed to fight Joker again and again. And his biggest fight is with, you know, a a random elderly goon. Not elderly, (laughs) middle-aged goon. Uh, And he, uh, you know, can't move his neck. (laughs) There's things I loved about it, but it was like, but... That that's great for on screen Batman. That's not comic book Batman. Mm-hmm. And then like X Men in two thousand got a little bit closer. And then this for me was, holy crap! That's the comic book. Wow. So it was a big big deal, and uh, and I think made made it made it harder for me to access some of the other Spider Man films because I so loved that iteration mm-hmm. uh but now i've been been able to be uh moving on from that 2004 uh, the spider-man 2 i think that's one of the greatest uh comic book films 
I absolutely love that one. There is a scene there that I often think of when people ask me, like, what, what kind of comedy do you like? And it's, it is this comedy of a person who is just doing their best, but life is hard, so it's not going well. And being able to see that and sort of laugh at the humanity of that and have that catharsis of, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who meets 8 million challenges just trying to get from the bed to my desk in my home office, right? <laughs> and uh, never mind even going out into traffic. Uh, there's He's got the normal pressure that he does often of, I'm trying to have my real life and be Spider-Man. He's try- he needs to deliver these pizzas on time. It, it's a whole scene. But it ends with, he just barely managed it, and he is trying to change back into Peter Parker, and he's coming out of this closet. Uh, and all of the uh, the cleaning materials, all of the brooms and the mops just keep falling out. And just and it's just like that last thing. And it's just right after you've watched him like spin and flip and do all these amazing things. And even being that amazing, he's still just like, I can't get a closet to work is <laughs> <laughs> it really captures some spider-man and great uh comedy spirit to me yeah that's wonderful yeah and then i think we saw uh spider-man 3 in the theater together because we were uh we were married by then mm-hmm. or we mm-hmm. were about to be married mm-hmm. we were you know engaged yeah. that's the thing that comes before marriage <laughs> uh and, and that one is a is a mixed bag a little overstuffed in my opinion some good things in it um, I recently re- rewatched the amazing Spider-Man films uh, starring uh, Andrew Garfield, and we watched the first one together. And what I want to ask you is, do you have any memory of that first one? <laughs> and it's fine if the answer again is just no. Um, I, th- honestly, next to none. <laughs> I think I just kind of had a like, okay, there's another Spider-Man. Okay, what's this? And then I went like, okay, I enjoyed that. <laughs> But I wasn't, I don't remember that as much as I remember. I don't remember being blown away. I don't remember not being blown away. I just don't have a lot of memory of it. Okay. And I think that is a fine and honest answer. Uh, I didn't have a ton of memory. I remembered one scene from the first one, and I liked that scene better. I understood it more in context. Uh, yeah, I, I think the Amazing Spider-Man films both uh, rewatched the first one and the second one. And they've got some stuff I really like. I think Emma Stone is great. Uh, I don't always agree with every choice that's made by for Spider-Man, but I think Andrew Garfield acts the hell out of everything he's given and, mm-hmm. and brings a lot to it. Um, and the romance is good, and there's some fun fights. Uh, there's a great Stan Lee cameo uh, where he is the school librarian who almost gets hit by a table, thrown at him by a giant lizard. That was <laughs> That's pretty fun. Uh, that's pretty great. Uh, but rewatching them really helped me think about my love of Spider-Man because both of those films lean a little heavier on the tragedy. They introduce Mm. more backstory about his father. So not only is he haunted about uncle Ben and about his romantic relationships, uh, he is haunted about what happened to, uh, my father. And, uh, they end up for me. The word I kept thinking is dour. Oh, interesting. Like, there are some very funny moments, like Spider-Man quipping in a battle or or saying a weird thing when he's just being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. That's like, that's some classic Spider-Man stuff I love. And, and he does some of that, and Andrew Garfield nails that, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but a lot of it has that kind of like, it's so heavy to be Spider-Man. And I realized for me, like, that's what feels right about um, 
the Tobey Maguire ones. That's what feels right about the Tom Holland ones of the tragedy is there, but it's the tra- this, these tragedies happening to somebody who is otherwise pretty friendly and bright and bouncy and wants to engage with the world and has a smile, even though it's hard <laughs> to keep up because, man, life is tough, but that smile is there. And Andrew Garfield has that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And again, not him as an actor, but there's so much in those films where it feels like, and now's the part where he's just, he's pissed, man. Mm. And like, that's, the, for me, that's not as much of uh, of the, the Spider-Man vibe that I'm into. Yeah. It, they're, they're also really fascinating is just sort of cultural documents when it comes to the evolution of superhero films where they move, both of them move like slightly earlier superhero films. Like if you found out like, ah, those these were both made in 2002 as well. You're like, okay, well, that's the way superhero films used to move. But like it takes an extremely long time to get him in the costume in that first film. And even by like early 2000s, 2012, 2014, when these were released, MCU had started to change the game. In DC, we're like, yeah, 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 we, we know you get it. We'll get him in the costumes real quick. Yeah. We'll get the action moving. We'll get to the heart of it quicker mm-hmm. in these movies. Take their sweet time, in my opinion. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, there's been a lot of fun discussion about the different analysis of them. I think I also just think it's always with so many genre things, uh, it's generational. Because I see like on social media, there are a lot of people who are like, uh, shut up. Andrew Garfield is my Spider-Man. And I if the, those movies were the introduction uh, for any listener to Spider-Man and you love them, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I just think that uh, I struggle with them for other reasons. Um, so let's get into the current on-screen iteration, big screen iteration of uh, of Spider-Man, because there are a few of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but let's start start with the Tom Holland in the MCU. So what is your reaction to him? Uh, what is you? What is the charm of this of this character in the MCU? Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so I actually said something incorrectly earlier when I said that with the Andrew Garfield one as like another one. It it was actually the Tom Holland one. Oh, really? And even yes. though I totally understood because Marvel wanted to do their own version, but I was just like, okay, here we go, another Spider Man. Um, and then oh my, I absolutely adore. Uh, <laughs> the Tom Holland Spider-Man ones. And I think it's a lot of actually, I hadn't really thought through this, but a lot of what you've been talking about of that, um, just that kind of, there's an energy to it. And the comedy is there, the trying to keep up with everything that's going on and trying to both do what's there, but also figure out how to be a superhero, but also figure out like how to do your laundry, like are both questions of the day kind of thing. (laughs) Uh And, um, I just I I love the energy that um, that Tom Holland brings to it, and I would be remiss if I did not mention that I love the physicality that he brings to it, um, with a, a very wide background, including a background as a dancer, uh, which I I didn't know the first time that we saw it, and then I was like, he's got to be a dancer, and then of course <laughs> looked him up, and was like, oh yeah, he's totally a dancer. <laughs> not only has CGI you know improved a lot, in particular superhero CGI. But the fact that Tom Holland can hit a ton of those poses, those utterly classic poses, no problem himself and also his his stunt people, I'm sure, mm-hmm. really helps sell it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my starting place for there. Yeah. I think that's really good that you mentioned the not another Spider-Man because even the 2012 uh, uh, restart was like, oh, okay, all right, fair enough. But then I think because that film 
really took its time on the tragedy of Uncle Ben and added more tragedy uh, that I think I remember a lot of jokes and my own emotional reaction to just being like, I don't want to see Uncle Ben die again, just like I don't want to see Martha Wayne's pearls uh, fall again from Bruce Wayne's parents dying Mm -hmm. of this kind of amazing moment. It's like there's been so many positive moments of uh, nerdy pop culture becoming dominant. Mm -hmm. And this was one of the weird ones where it's like, okay, this is weird to be like everyone in the world now is almost just born just through cultural osmosis. You know exactly how Bruce Wayne's parents died, <laughs> and you know exactly what happened to Spider-Man's Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. And that at this point, we're like, we don't need to hear it. And I think it was such a smart move from the MCU to just skip past that yeah. and just we we know we know you know we'll allude to it. Maybe we'll deal with it more directly at some point when when necessary. But mm-hmm. we got it. Uh, and I think that allowed the character even though this is a very young version of Spider-Man, to feel like the Spider-Man in the comics. Where he's like, I'm up, I'm running, I'm in my suit. I've got my tragic backstory, but I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, obviously, uh, uh, Tom Holland is a is a great actor, great physicality, just charming, engaging uh, person. But I think the a couple things for me make him really, really uh, work as Spider-Man in the MCU is... It's such a huge sense of I am naturally just my inclination is a curious, engaged, friendly person who also happens to have some tragedy that I don't really want to talk about and uh, a burden that I don't really want to talk about and a lot of social anxiety that I don't really want to talk about. (laughs) So he's so bouncy and so fun and so charming. And right under the surface is all of that mm. tragedy that is a big part of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And it uh, and we recently rewatched uh, Homecoming, uh, Spider-Man: Homecoming, his first big film after Civil War. And I there's so much in that movie that I just remember it's like yeah, it's really fun. But I there's some great moments where just the mask peels back a little bit and you see the amount of damage that this mm-hmm. young man already has. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, yeah. I also think that there's a huge um, difference because for both uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield versions, we start with them in high school and we get some great motivations early on, great, super relatable uh, Spider-Man is a real person of like, I've, uh, I have powers, I can use them to get a car to impress a girl, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of vibe. But both of those films kind of move out of high school Uh, either literally or emotionally quite quickly. Mm -hmm. And I love that this Spider-Man is just absolutely staying in high school so we can see again and again and again uh, this person who has very young person who has a lot of tragedy, means well, but doesn't know the world yet. And so keeps kind of just making mistakes that are totally relatable and just wanting to grow up too fast. Mm -hmm. They're just making the absolute most of like, let's, not just have uh, him in high school as the genesis. Let's keep him in high school for a while and put him through the ringer while still in high school. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And then another big thing uh, for me is just getting to see Spider-Man bounce off of all these characters 
you know, I, I've gone on and on about this on other podcasts, but that was always the pleasure of reading the comics. And uh, it's helping me to talk it out of how much Spider-Man was not only had his own adventures in multiple comic books that I collected or my brother collected and I read, and, uh, but he was he, sh- he showed up in everybody else's comic books. He greeted anyone. It's like, oh, are your sales kind of low? Well, come on over. <laughs> like he was he was so defined by. Everybody knows Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man runs into everybody else. Spider-Man bounces off of everybody else. Spider-Man and Daredevil trade enemies back. And, like, it's he's just everywhere. He knows everybody. So it's a little different in the MCU where he's the one who's coming into this world. Uh, but he's it, there's still all this great interactions of, like, oh, you guys are, uh, you guys, everybody else seems to have their their stuff together. And I'm still just trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. It, it's great because... I love all these stories in the MCU right now where you don't have to worry about uh, why would that person get dressed up in a costume? Can we make this believable? You know, how did they come up with the... Co- it's just like, they're all growing up in a world full of superheroes. So like, it's a pretty normal thing to do to put on a costume. <laughs> but then it's in the, this emotional journey of mm-hmm. how do I be a hero? Could you guys help me out with that? Do I want to be like this hero? Do I want to be like that hero? Can I go to this person for help? It's just it, all of these characters, uh, I think all the superhero characters are more interesting when they have other bizarre, weird, conflicted characters to bounce off of. Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it allows them to have such a such a different level of depth. Yeah. Because they get to have the regular human depth as well as the superhero depth. Yeah, it's like, because I think that's the, um, the charm of the comic books is like a lot of them have their, their, their real lives. Like Peter Parker has his real life, which mm-hmm. we'll talk about a little bit. Um, but then he also has his, uh, his superhero community group Mm -hmm. (laughs) that he's a part of. And, you know, maybe things are good with Dr. Strange right now. Maybe they're not. Uh, Maybe he was briefly working with the Avengers. Maybe he's not. Maybe, you know, uh, him and the thing are really commiserating over their love lives right now. Like he, that, that's his community. Mm hmm. Yeah. And you get that vibe in the, in these movies of like, this is my life, my immediate friends. Mm-hmm. But then I also have this other superhero life that I'm aspiring to. And now I'm got this energy of have to, having to take on the responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about your feelings on his sort of extended cast. Uh, because uh, a lot of superheroes have like the other people in their life that they care about, you know, Batman has Alfred and Superman has Lois Lane and all those things. Uh, but Spider-Man, because he has so much worry constantly about taking care of the other people in his life mm-hmm. in a way, there's, there's even more focus on his, his, uh, people. He's got Aunt May, he's got uh, Mary Jane or MJ Watson, uh, Gwen Stacy. Uh, many of the villains are either former friends, mentors, loved ones. There's always a lot of tragedy in his villain relationships. From the films that you've seen or mm-hmm. stories that you've seen, are there any of those characters in Spider-Man's life that resonate the most with you? Mm. Overall, not talking, not looking at one particular film, um, Aunt May. Okay. Is, has always. Weirdly, like, even since I, I feel like I remember Aunt May before I remember seeing Spider-Man. <laughs> 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 Take me through that thought process of like I I I love those stories about that uh, that older woman living alone in New York. I don't know the kind <laughs> older woman like making cookies for the boy who's trying to find his way. Yeah, kind of, I don't know. There's just something. I think there is something cozy and charming and inviting about Aunt May that I've just always had 
a, just kind of an attachment and affinity to the Ame character. Yeah. So that, that is always kind of my, my hands down one. Um, I was thinking about specifically with the, um, the Tom Holland interpretation. One of the things that I really enjoyed about homecoming is, well, there are all the high school things and you do have the, you know, kind of the, the anxieties of social relationships and, um, the interest and anxieties about romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about it is it is a different story than trying to impress Mary Jane or MJ. Right. And I think that that's one of the things that I just enjoyed. It was like, oh, this is a, a yet again, a different approach. Yeah. Like there, there is definitely the thread where he likes uh, Liz mm-hmm. and like wants, there's a great sort of uh, social pressure at the, when he, he gets Ned traps him into like saying, Hey, Spider-Man will show up to try to in, in you know, raise his high school clout. Right. And he has, he does have that push pull, but there is something that's really nice where it feels like he does have that push pull, but in some ways he's already made the decision and the decision is be Mm Spider-Man. And it's more dealing with the consequences of this decision that he already made a while back because of this tragedy that we saw. Right. And it's like, I can't get out of being Spider-Man. Partially. I love it. I, I, I want to be, helpful and i want to be one of the the big kids <laughs> in the avengers but also like i really need to be spider-man so how can i manage that with the other things in my life yeah yeah that's really yeah. great i love what you're saying about aunt may uh because i think she is in some ways this character that there's this great tension because she seems like this symbol of unconditional love Mm-hmm. And even though that is what she almost always ultimately is to Peter uh, Parker in particular, he he always has that fear that he's going to let her down or lose her. Mm-hmm. And there's that great tension there. Yeah. How do you feel about Aunt May going from the stereotypical, nice, older, more of a grandmother figure who happens to be your aunt who bakes you cookies and <laughs> helps you out to... uh? A, a thriving middle-aged woman in the uh, MCU movies. Yeah, I love it. I, lo- I love both interpretations, but I I think it's great. And I, I enjoy the variety. And and like you said, like the, I mean, the aunts, Aunt May is often portrayed as, um, you know, the older <laughs> Aunt May. <laughs> so I love the, the like, okay, yeah, let's go, the, let's go a different route. Let's have a younger Aunt May. Yeah. Um, and see what different... Um, what different relationships that brings up, what different challenges, just kind of different energy it brings. And I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, I really like it because I think it accentuates uh, Spider-Man's youth mm-hmm. that like this is his, his you know, uh, maternal figure is not that old. Right. <laughs> so he must be very young yet and really need her <laughs> guidance. And because she does seem like she has her this whole uh, thriving life off screen that we're not seen but it's implied Mm -hmm. uh it does just it just gives everything more energy right yeah yeah absolutely and i wonder too a little bit it's kind of like you know to kids uh, any adult is old right you know somebody's 30 and a kid will not know if if they're 30 or if they're 90 like they're just old (laughs) it is very very true i i feel so ashamed of this i think i've mentioned this before the the first episode of star trek the next generation going like how long can the show run because the captain's so old 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I'm I, ashamed. Oh, you, you should not be. I, I think there's, there's many of us who had thoughts um, like that. And I'm sure I've told the story before. I, back many years ago, was teaching dance and was just joking with one of the kids one day. I mean, she was probably five or six. And she's like, how old are you? And it's like, I'm a hundred or so. Or maybe I asked how old. And I was like, how old do you think is old? And so then she, her mom the next week was like, I just had to meet you because she told me you were a hundred years old. <laughs> and she's like, how old is her dance teacher? And at and, the time you were probably in your twenties, right? Oh yeah. I was like 23. <laughs> and this kid was like, phew. Oh, that that sell-by date has passed. Right? Yeah. Like, my dance teacher's 100 years old. But, like, that's the thing is, to this kid, she didn't know if I was 23 or 100, you know? Yeah. And, you know, maybe by the time you're 14. But I, I love the idea of, like, kind of the older version of Aunt May is the younger kid's version of adults. They're they're old, they have white hair, and they bake cookies. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and maybe it's just because now I'm older watching, you know, these versions. But now it's like, no, you've got somebody who's in high school. So, you know, whatever. Aunts come, can be a lot of different ages. But this is an entirely realistic age for Peter's aunt to be. Yeah. In in Homecoming in particular, because we just rewatched that, there's this great vibe that she is the Avengers of his normal life. Mm. Like he is looking up to the Avengers. Like that whole movie is, it, it, does he want to grow up too quick? Right. Does he want to get away from being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and seeing the value of that to like just having stars in his eyes and, and wanting to be one of the big kids and prove himself. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's his whole journey with the Avengers and with looking up to Tony Stark and to all that. Um, but then which the things that she does in the film, like teaches him to dance. Right. You know, it, she just seems like this, like I know how to adult mm-hmm. from like, you know, uh, you, you you probably don't know quite how to do your laundry correctly yet, Peter. You definitely don't know, even though you're super smart, you probably would struggle with your bank account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know how to dance. You don't. And she just like, you know, gives him all the great advice for the dance and just like, just relax and enjoy yourself. She just seems like a fully formed adult. Yeah. And that's yeah, what I he is that. also striving to be as well as a fully formed superhero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, one of my favorites for his uh, his real life connections is always J. Jonah Jameson. Um, the <laughs> the setup in the comics that gets used in in some of the movies as well. The idea that what Peter Parker Spider Man does to get by is take pictures of himself as Spider Man <laughs> and then sell them for money to his boss at his, you know, uh, contract gig because his boss hates Spider-Man and sells, at the time, newspapers by insulting him, right? So, like, in, in modern parlance, and I think we're going to see more of this in the upcoming film, uh, given the the cliffhanger in, in Far From Home, um, <laughs> it's basically like Peter Parker is selling pictures of himself to live off of hate clicks about him. Yeah. Right? right. I mean, it's just it's so uh, the the construction of the character back in those early comics to be like, uh, this is a picture. This is a an analogy about any human just trying to get by where you have to do things that you maybe don't really want to at, at work, you know, because you just have to make a buck ha- somehow. But it's so soul crushing the idea that he harvests himself for hate clicks to survive. 
is is so beautiful and so painful and so prophetic, unfortunately. Honestly, yeah. 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 Everything about J. Jonah Jameson, not prophetic, I guess, because, you know, there's tabloids at the time. And I think that's, you know, what was being poked fun at. But Mm -hmm. those tabloids have (laughs) metastasized. (laughs) They sure haven't gone away. (laughs) Into clickbait. Hate, hate clickbait. Uh, So in J. Jonah Jameson being the sort of the picture of this sort of like grumpy, uh, half sometimes maybe paternal figure to Peter Parker, maybe. Uh, but so often just being this picture of somebody who's just like, I don't like anybody who's different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fascinating character. So I have a very important question for you. If you were Spider-Man, would you rather have the scientific acumen to design and build web shooters? Or would you rather webbing was organically produced from your wrist like it was in the Tobey Maguire films? Mm. Wow. I mean... If I can just talk through the pros and cons for a moment. Absolutely. The pro, I would assume, of the organic is that it doesn't run out. Mm-hmm. But the con is then you've got a weird thing shooting out of your hand, <laughs> shooting out of your <laughs> wrists. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I think I might still go with wrists because I feel like the, you know, having it be that you have changed, like that one is one of the changes of being a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you you want organic? I think so. Yeah. I think I think I want organic too. Like I'm that was one of the things that uh I remember having so many conversations with fellow nerds <laughs> after that came out of everybody's like, well that was the one thing that was really not like the comics. Kind of weird that the webbing comes out of his body, but actually not that weird. And I see why they did it to save time because it's another thing you have to introduce and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and a lot of people saying like, you know, if he was really a spider, uh, that's not where the webbing comes from. Like, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> we know. We know. We're, we've all pictured it. We know. Um, but yeah, I think for myself, like uh, the, I, in fact, watching some, both the Andrew Garfield films and some of the Tom Holland ones, I have such like resource management anxiety about, are you going to run out? Right. <laughs> Do you need to go to the web fluid gas station? Come on. Yeah. Like, yeah. And is it made out of a product that's going to be, you know, discontinued or, you know, stuck in a ship in the middle of the ocean because there's shipping challenges like this? Is it something that you can just make at home? And I don't know. I just, I think I would be too stressed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I did want to ask you also about Into the Spider-Verse, uh, yeah. which we saw, which mm-hmm. uh, we got to meet uh, Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen and Peter Porker, <laughs> which uh, that was one of the comic books I had as a kid that I never thought I'd see on screen. <laughs> uh, obviously, Miles Morales uh, and uh, the older, uh, emotionally devastated uh, Peter Parker are, are the leads, but we meet many different uh, Spider-Man characters and that film really carries that message of uh, anyone can put on the mask. Mm -hmm. Did that film resonate with you? And if so, why? Yeah, my gosh, I absolutely loved that film. Um, And specifically that, the message of anyone can put on the mask. Yeah. Um, I think Miles Morales is just such a, that was my first introduction to the Miles Morales character. And just such a great character. A lot of the same things that we've been talking about with the Peter Parker character of, kind of the the humanity and the combination of trying to be who you want to be while also trying to just get through day-to-day life the yeah. best you can and sometimes not doing the best at it even though you have good intentions but you just get kind of tripped up 
And I think that is so great. I also loved Spider-Gwen. Yeah. And this is actually one time where it did. I watched a movie and it then inspired me to read a comic book because <laughs> <laughs> it inspired me to then um, read some of the series of the Spider-Gwen Spider Gwen, um comic yeah i have not read a ton of spider gwen but i really like the idea of spider gwen because gwen stacy has been in spider-man mythos for a long time often as the girl who spoiler dies so to have that turned around and celebrate that character uh from a perspective of life mm-hmm. is uh, really great yeah yeah i think that that message of anyone can wear the mask uh, i i knew about miles morales i'd maybe read like one or two comics but did not a miles morales expert anyway so that movie was for me the main introduction to him and what i loved about it is i really love the con the the concept of the universal through the specific of sharing somebody's really unique life journey and perspective and through that learning what you don't know because it is a different perspective or a different culture uh, and then learning the shared humanity mm-hmm. with as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's one of the things that we've been talking a lot about Peter Parker of uh, you can relate to him because he's super relatable. He has the real life challenges. But then to see the character of Miles Morales, who is not Peter Parker, who has different perspective, mm-hmm. different life challenges, different abilities, different approach to being Spider-Man, different obstacles to being Spider-Man. But shares that I have been through tragedy. Mm-hmm. I am at my core a kind, curious, engaged person who wants to help people, wants connection. To have that connection, to have that be the sort of the defining trait of of, of the spider people is that they're, they want to help people. They're kind, curious, engaged. And then horrible stuff happens to them. And what do they do next? Mm-hmm. It makes the myth of Spider-Man really this universal thing of we all encounter tragedy. How much are we going to let that destroy? What is you know positive about us? What is engaged and curious and kind about us? And I, for me, that's a, a lot of the power of Into the Spider-Verse is not just Miles' story and all the other Spider-People's stories, but that spirit of... Um, it, it really felt like making kind of some of the core ideas of Spider-Man that to me have always been there a little bit more explicit of like, if if you <laughs> uh, were in this situation, what would you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I thought uh, really Very great. Well said. Oh, thank you. Um, now I'm going to bounce back to asking you some more fun, weird questions. You ready? <laughs> sure. I want to have a bounce at tragedy and comedy. Uh, if you could have any of Spidey's powers, uh, which would you want? Uh, super strength, uh, super agility, uh, wall crawling, web spinning, uh, spider sense, a witty banter during stressful situations. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to be able to uh, disappear like Miles Morales? What do you want? Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. Um, I mean, witty banter. I I I as I want to be able to fly through the air. You 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 want to you want to dance in the sky. Yeah, yeah. I want to be able to you know swing from buildings safely and not always be worried that I'm going to fall to my death. Yeah, with your I mean, organic webbing. Worried. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe both. Maybe I'll do both. <laughs> <laughs> but how much of the appeal for you is he? He is he and all the other spider people. They are extremely kinetic. They are mm-hmm. flippers and flyers and spinners and dancers in the sky. Is that a part of the appeal to you? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think it makes it, it, it makes it feel relatable. <laughs> Not that I do any of those things. You know how we all bounce off flagpoles at about uh, 40 stories in the air? Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I think like some of the, some of the images of, uh, I mean, and we get this with other superheroes as well, but the kind of, you know, perching on the top of a building, looking around, just it, there's something about that that feels like, well, yeah, that feels very comfortable and relatable, even though it's not. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think that I would love that. Yeah, no, that would be pretty, pretty great. Uh, I, though, I think if I had to pick a power, uh, I would pick spider sense. Mm. Uh, I really, really like that. I mean, that's, it's just one of the iconic Im- images from comics that squiggles around uh, Spider-Man's head. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, obviously, uh, lots of the spider people have had anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I feel like it would be great to have the spider sense to to go like, no, that's really going to be a problem. That mm. might help with me wondering if things are going to be a problem. If I knew, like, <laughs> I'm going to get tingles in my head. Lines are going to shoot out of my head if it's a real problem. Yeah. Yeah, you make a good argument for that sense. Uh, so Spider-Man's motto, learned uh, from Peter Parker's Uncle Ben, is often, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Do you agree with Uncle Ben? I do. Yeah. I mean, who, I, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to make a joke, and then I decided I didn't feel like it. Uh, yes, I do. I agree. Okay. Uh, it's fine to only make jokes when we feel like them. <laughs> no joke for you, listeners. Uh yeah, I mean, I think it, much like I was talking about with Into the Spider-Verse, I think it, it goes to that idea of you can see that and go like, oh, with great power comes great responsibility. He's got these spider powers, so he's got to fight crime. Like, yes, yes, that's the genre pop, <laughs> pop culture story. But I think, you know, the hard lesson is this idea of if you have a way to help, if you should strive to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is very, very nice. Uh, here's another nice question. If you had to be bitten by a radioactive animal of any kind, what animal would you choose? Wow. Wow. I mean, honestly, I I wouldn't choose a spider. (laughs) And yet some of the abilities of the spider people I would happily take. So then I would want, I guess, a spider. Um, I think. Okay, this is a weird one. Go with me. Mm -hmm. A radioactive crow. A crow? Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, tell me more. Crows are very smart. Um, <laughs> they can fly, so I would assume I would be able to fly. They can perch. They can work together to solve problems. They, you know, learn things. And I just, there's, I think there's a lot to crows. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to be specific on this one. <laughs> kind of an out there question. Probably not the answer you thought I was going to say. Absolutely. I don't, I didn't know what you were going to say, but I think it, didn't think it was going to be crow. And I am fascinated that you listed things that you can already do. <laughs> do you think that you, they would be heightened? I do. Okay. You yeah. would have heightened crow problem solving. Yeah. Heightened like, crow working together with other crow abilities. Yeah. Yeah, and would you fly? And heightened flying. Yeah. You know, I already fly a little bit. Just... <laughs> <laughs> you can jump very high. I have seen you. Yeah, but you would get to zip through the air. Yeah. Would you want... I'd still get to perch. Oh, and you would... Yeah, oh, yeah, a lot of perching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you want a crow cry? Oh, Where yeah. Could, uh, why don't... What... what a crow... A crow the, what, what, how would you describe a crow oh, noise? Would it be... I mean, would it be different from the... Right. I got my birds confused. Sorry. Yeah. That was so uh, w- Would that be 
<laughs> if you were going to fight crime, would it be like you would be perched in the eaves of a warehouse uh, while criminals were stealing something and they would hear the terrifying call of caw, caw. I mean, that'd be kind of great, wouldn't it? Because then there'd there would be that sense because crows do they they caw frequently. And so you'd be like, <laughs> is it a crow or is it, you know, super crow or <laughs> crow lady crow lady (laughs) nice uh i was gonna answer i was torn and then i decided i'm gonna i'm gonna say both yeah i need to be bitten by a radioactive animal i want to be bitten by both a radioactive squirrel and a radioactive sloth oh my gosh i don't know if i would just be at my normal speed then (laughs) or if i'd have mixed abilities i wonder if you would sometimes be really fast and sometimes be really slow i think i i I would want to have both powers so i could be like really fast like a squirrel and Mm -hmm. climb really well but then also i could hang there forever like a sloth and i could be so so slow that no one could know i was there yeah i mean that's a pretty that's a pretty great combination yeah Yeah. and i could eat lots of things (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how that would help me fight crime leaves acorns so exciting (laughs) so much just uh edible delightness not that kind of edible (laughs) anyway or maybe who knows anyway moving on uh what is your noise to sum up your interest in spider-man um well based on this conversation uh nice nice uh how would you rate your interest level right now this is this fun moment where the movie's coming out everybody's talking about spider-man on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, uh, how Spider-Man obsessed are you in the moment? Yeah, I'd say right now I'm like a 6. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, I think for me, like Spider-Man is always one of those characters that will feel close to my heart because he has been there uh, in so long and now there's so many great inter- iterations of the character and the idea uh, that uh, I get to uh, enjoy and celebrate. Um, but this is fun as a... Yeah, right now everything's Spider and lots of people are rewatching the movies and talking about Spider-Man. There's going to be even more discussion once the movie is actually all the way out. So I think right now I'm at like an eight. Nice. Yeah, lots of Spider feelings, which is very, very nice <laughs> to have. Uh, so we are going to move on to the plugging section. Uh, where can you be found? I uh, can be found at Twitter at Sarah underscore Scrimshaw. Excellent. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. Info on shows, comedy albums, uh, TV shows I've written for, all that kind of stuff, you can find on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. Full info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. And now our final questions. Uh, Sarah, if you could see a movie again for the first time, knowing nothing about it, what might it be? Wow. Well, um, I'm sorry. I'm taking this one. It would be A New Hope. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's so great. Why does that come to your come to mind other than I talk about Star Wars constantly? <laughs> I think, I, I mean, there's a lot that I would love to see for the first time, but there's just something about... Um, we don't need to go into this for a long time. <laughs> I don't remember seeing it for the first time. Right. Uh, because I was very young. Um, and I, I don't have that. So I would love to have that sense of hopefully, you know, wonder and everything without the years and years and years of loving of the, all, that story and the stories that have followed it. But going yeah. back, taking all of those away and going back and having that journey for the first time. 
Yeah, it would be so amazing to see it uh, with fresh eyes and in a modern context, too. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, I, I wonder in a modern context what I would think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there's some things about it that are universal and powerful. And I think if that movie came out today exactly as it was, even if you sort of like tightened up some of the pacing in the first act, cause it's a little slower than modern movies in the first act. I, I sometimes amuse myself with wondering, like, what would the reactions be and be like, what? He got that lightsaber from his father? And he's got a promise to be a Jedi, and he doesn't even use it. He just flies in a ship to blow up the Death Star. He doesn't even <laughs> use the lightsaber. Uh, that's uh, fun for me to think about. But you, uh, you, the part I would love to experience for the first time is, I think even if you kind of had had a feeling in your gut that Han's going to come back to help Luke at the Death Star, mm. even if you didn't, to see that in a theater full of people uh, watching it for the first time in the cheer that would go up when Han Solo is there, mm-hmm. oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Good answer, I say. Thank you. What would you <laughs> choose? Oh, it is that uh, when I was writing this question, I was like, sometimes Sarah asks me what I what my <laughs> response to these questions are, and other times not. And like, I really hope she does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Star Wars is it's a hard one to not have that be the uh, the go to answer. Um, this is a weird one, but maybe Shaun of the Dead. I really like mm. that. That's one of my favorite films. It's it's up there. Yeah. And I didn't see it in the theater. Uh, so to see it again, knowing nothing about it, uh, going in totally blank with an audience. Yeah. And oh, seeing yeah. where the audience laughed and where they didn't. Uh, yeah. I can see that. That's yeah. a great choice. Uh, all right. Here is your next question. Uh, if an object in our apartment was the handle that you pulled on and then that opened the door to a secret lair, what would the object be? Mm. Well, I mean, I don't know if I want to say this out loud because maybe it already works. <laughs> um, well, so we have a little, it's a um, like a candle holder. Mm-hmm. That's a, It's made out of a log of birch. And uh, I was so excited. It, I actually, with my dad's help, drilled the hole in it to put the candle holder in it. So I think that's that would be the handle. Oh, the would you move the whole candle or just? I think the I think rather than turn it, I think or rather than like I think you would turn it? rather you, than you tilt it, I would turn it like got it. rotate it, um, and it would be like a you'd rotate it ninety degrees or right. whatever, and so, so it would swing up. In. If you were crow lady and I was squirrel sloth guy, mm-hmm. and there was an emergency. We would rotate the candle. <laughs> well, we would rotate the birch log, which birch seems log. appropriate for crow. <laughs> squirrel sloth lair and we would go save the trees and fight for nuance and justice that would be great fun final question as always is what is happiness happiness is flying through the air or at least having a good dream about flying through the air yeah i would take a good flipping through the air dream that would be lovely well thank you as always uh for talking with me uh and uh uh, i talked a lot about spider-man thank you for both your talking and your listening (laughs) to my many opinions about spider-man and i hope uh, everybody uh, listening is excited about spider-man and goes and enjoys some fun spider-man time that is our podcast You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Okay, so if you were Spider-Man from Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah. And you got to choose 
now, um, at this point in your life, the two people that were going to that you were going to live with, who, uh, which other superheroes would you choose? Should I stay in Marvel? Yes. Yeah. Um. Or you, or it can also include Dracula. <laughs> you know, Apparently. not, <laughs> not, not, not Dracula. Not. Uh, okay, I'm gonna go with my honest first answer because it's, but it's weird. It's, uh, it's totally uncomfortable. Uh, I was like, well, Captain America for sure, and like, who else do I really like? Well, I really like Captain Carter, and they would get along. And then I realized, like, I've created a situation <laughs> where I'm just crashing their love life. <laughs> but that's what I'd do if I was Spider Man. I would crash the love life of Steve and Peggy. Perfect and awkward. <laughs>